It is 28 and a half minutes after the hour. It is a uh, therapeutic Thursday, and uh, amongst the therapeutic programming we have here is Pastor Robbie Pruitt joins us, Anglican pastor from from Ashburn, Virginia. That's his house. His church is in Fairfax. How he keeps that straight, I don't know. But he's here with us again, as he is on most Thursdays. He's also the executive director of Preserving Bible Times. Robbie, greetings. Happy Thursday to you. It's nice to have you back. It's great to be with you and uh, Dave on this Thursday. Always a pleasure to be with you, gentlemen. And I keep that straight by opening up the map in my phone. There's a little blue dot that tells me where I am. Oh, good. <laughs> the blue dot. We're so reliant on technology, aren't we? What did we, what did we do without technology? What, no. did, what, 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 I, what got us here anyway? How did we I, not I'm perish long that ago? I can, yeah. that I could tie my shoes. Mm. I mean, that's why everybody's trying to find themselves, you know, back yeah. then. Now now yeah. we know where we are. Now will we finally know where we are? And being being of a non-liturgical background, I never would have guessed that this Sunday is Good Shepherd Sunday. I didn't know there was a Good Shepherd Sunday. Hmm. I'm presuming there's a good reason. But before we get started, I have a story to tell because it relates to <laughs> sheep and shepherds and, and flocks. We had a, a shock at church last week. Remember, we, I mentioned that we go to a little house church here. It's the pastor's home. It's about three blocks from us. I've been praying for years to find such a place. And uh, the people are wonderful. It's a small gathering every Sunday. He feeds everybody on Sunday uh, after, the, after the service. He has Wednesday nights. And we showed up last Sunday, and he, he, he basically said, well, no sermon today. And he just took a chair in the front along with his wife and another couple that, that are integral to the operation of the church, and said, I'm retiring. Oh, wow. And he's, he's going to move a bit east here to, to College Station, which is just about an hour and a half to the east of us here in Texas. And he, he's going to move into his son's house, who has purchased another house, and he's going to be close to his grandkids now. And he's in his late 60s, and his wife, I, th- I think Karen, is, is 65 now. And uh, so they've been for 20 years and i looked at him and i said you know this this is a a big leap and i want you to know that this is the only church i've ever been in where the congregation was more like a flock than a herd wow because this guy is a is is a pastor a shepherd shepherd and it it makes a big difference as opposed to a ceo And, and i'm not well i guess i am criticizing that because pastors were meant to be pastors not ceos it's like two different occupations but the big churches the campus churches the ones i'm running from seem to be in that mode so so the the whole idea of sheep and shepherds is 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 near and dear to my heart this week well it's a good topic and it sounds like you have a good quote pastor and that's where that uh title comes from for a a shepherd of a flock or a or a minister of the gospel in a church setting, often they're called pastors because they're shepherding sheep. And that's a biblical imagery that is common all the way back to Genesis and Cain and Abel. Well, we know that Israel, from, from our studies and context, we know that, that Israel, first century, Bible time Israel, was an agrarian nation. We know that 90% of the people were dirt poor and typically... Uh, if they had a job, it was working the land for uh, an absentee owner, like a member of the the Herod family or or the religious elite who had uh, had who had shepherds in the field with with temple flocks. They worked for other people, did not own the land, and they understood 
sheep and shepherding and, and vines and vineyards and things of the earth. And, and so th- I think that's why that imagery is, is so present, all Old and New Testaments, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and mainly in the Old Testament, but certainly also in the New Testament. But there's probably more said, certainly more said in the Old Testament about sheep and shepherding and, and many more examples of sheep and shepherding in the Old Testament than there are in the New Testament. I mean, just for an example, we mentioned Abel in Genesis We've got Abraham, we've got Lot, Isaac, Jacob, Rachel, Laban, Jacob's 12 sons, including Joseph, Moses, David, Misha, the king of Moab, Doeg, Amos, which is one of my favorite shepherds in the Bible, and the shepherds that came to honor Jesus at his birth in the Luke uh, gospel account of Jesus' birth. That was revealed to shepherds first, and so the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is visited by shepherds, and this is how John the Baptist introduces Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. Mm. I'm wondering, and you know, the, this is sort of ringing a bell uh, with something that Tucker Carlson said yesterday, and with the kind of a general feeling that I've had uh, about the the leaders that we we seem to have i mean i'm not i'm not sure if they really are leaders i mean it would be leaders with a small l and you know and and his phrasing was that the people in charge are panicked because the stuff that they've tried to use or tried to get us to do whatever we're supposed to do is not working and and somehow the uh, the people are standing up and doing their own or or making their own decisions now you know I, the the point that i would relate that to what you're talking about as sheep is the sheep know their true leaders they know who to really follow they understand who should be in charge or who is really in charge i mean they understand that from a sheep's perspective yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a reflective of what John Maxwell said. He said, if you think you're leading and you look behind you and no one's following you, you're just taking a, a lonely walk. So mm. <laughs> leaders have followers. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to flip the script and say, well, who are the shepherds? Let's look at who the sheep are following. Who are the true shepherds? Because a sheep understands their master's voice. Now, we can follow shepherds we shouldn't be following. Um, we even have some of the uh, some of the pictures of this that, that some people are leading people astray. Mm-hmm. So they are good shepherds and they're bad shepherds. I mean, this is also a biblical principle that um, there are some leading who are leading people astray or leading the sheep to slaughter, so to speak. Uh, and then that's actually in John 10 as well. So Jesus speaks about this when he says that um, the thief comes in another way. Jesus says in John 10, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So Hmm. you have the sheep pen, which is normally a shallow cave in the side of a mountain or a hillside, 
And then the shepherds over time will build a circular wall in front of that with an opening and will lead the sheep in uh, after they have had time in pasture. And there they will have protection at night. And then the shepherd will lay in the entryway of this sheep pen. And so those who come in by the door is the shepherd and the sheep come in and out to find pasture from the sheep pen through the, the shepherd, through the good shepherd. Jesus is saying that the thief will climb in another way, use something besides the door. Why? Because they are uh, leading the sheep astray or they're there to steal the sheep or use the sheep for their own benefit. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, John 10, 2. John 10.3, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them. Let's go back to, let's go back to the very beginning there, Cain and Abel, um, because the whole sheep and shepherding thing really does start with Abel. He, he, he pastored a flock, gave a, 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 a blood offering that God accepted, but his brother Cain was a farmer, raised grain, did a grain offering, thought he was doing the right thing. His offering was rejected. That sets up a a juxtaposition of the two right away, right from the get-go. And I've often, I've not been able to resolve that in my mind, but Cain slew Abel. The the conflict got to to, to that point. Um, Sheep and shepherding right from the get-go. Absolutely. And so at this narrative, the repercussions of the fall is certainly death. When uh, Adam and Eve are hiding themselves with fig leaves, the next thing is clothing from animal skins. Hmm. And that there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. There's no covering without bloodshed. And so an offering is offered up by both Cain and Abel. It seems unfair to me when I I read it, too, because it seems like Cain is offering what he's gifted at, what he's skilled at, which is uh, planting. And and again, we're in an agrarian culture, but they're they're raising sheep, too. Abel is a shepherd, so he offers the sheep where Cain is a farmer. He's offering grain. I believe it's what's behind it, maybe even the quantity. I mean, I think about what David says when he buys the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. He says, I will not offer God that which costs me nothing because Aruna, the Jebusite, was going to give him the threshing floor, which ended up being where the Holy of Holies is in the temple. And David's words about an offering – is that he's not going to offer God that which he which cost him nothing. So I believe that there's some value proposition in the two offerings. That, that's there. interesting because when you, you sacrifice a, a member of the herd or the flock, that's lost income. That's lost wealth. Yeah. yeah. But if you if you if you cut off a little grain and you bundle it up and you present it nicely, it grows right back. You really haven't you haven't made. A sacrifice on your part. You may have lived up to the name sacrifice, but the real sacrifice isn't there. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and even when you do sacrifice, what do you sacrifice from the herd becomes important. We our sound technician 
has a uh, works on a little farm in Gainesville, Virginia, out west here, and they have sheep and goats. And what they do is they sacrifice or slaughter for meat the males because the females can reproduce. So if you have one male that can impregnate your females in your herd, then it's less of a sacrifice to sacrifice the males, and that way you can still pr- reproduce. It's interesting that uh, that uh, um, uh, it, it's a ram that sacrificed to, to mm. save Isaac. It's it's not a yeah. ewe. It's a, it's a ram specifically. So yeah. maybe the lessons in how to shepherd are present for 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 he, uh, Well, I, I want to say for the people of the time, but. Again, God tells us how to how to raise crops, how to farm, how to work in cycles, how to have a like a Sabbath year for crops, and He gives us instructions on how to run a flock at the same time. Uh, yeah, and and He certainly doesn't want us to starve in the process of offering our sacrifice. I mean, we're certainly called to give first fruits in our offerings, but it's not all the fruits. Well, it's in the name, first fruits, first fruits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the question? Well, that that, that is the that, that that's that solves it. It's it's first fruits. That's right. It, it's it's not everything. It's you're giving your your first and your best, and 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 that's the sacrifice. You you give of your your wealth that way. And I'm not talking money here. I, I'm just talking substance. And there's a heart behind the sacrifice too. We don't want to miss that because this idea that I, I don't offer God that which costs me nothing. There's a value proposition here. The first fruits are the best, and uh, you're giving God what what is valuable to you. But again, we don't believe that we're appeasing God or we have to somehow suffer, but we're showing worship is showing worth to God. Worthship is another way to say it. So that, That's a fundamental difference between pagan worship and, and Christian right. worship, because yeah. with the pagan gods, and this was true through, through the, the Roman Empire, we learned that in studying that context, you had to appease the god to get them off your back. Yeah. You know, so they so wouldn't, they wouldn't mess with hap- you. Yeah. yeah, there's several things happening there in the Old Testament, because you know what the people know, especially the Canaanite culture, is pagan worship. So is this God um, bloodthirsty? Is this God wanting you to offer to the point of, of expending yourself? So this is transcribed over to the religious system and the Levite, the priesthood, and um, even the shepherds of Israel, those leaders of Israel. So if you look at shepherding in sheep, every time you see a shepherd – God is leveraging that skill and putting it into practice with the leadership of his people. Let's just take Moses for an example. Moses is a shepherd. This is how he learns the wilderness. This is how he's a skilled shepherd to lead God's people. Same with David. What does David cite when he slays Goliath? I killed the bear, I killed the lion, now I'm going to kill you. That's a skill he learned, shepherding sheep. David is watching the sheep when he's anointed king. Remember, Samuel shows up and they have the son parade, and Samuel said, none of these sons are going to do. Do you have another? And he says, yes, the youngest. He's out with the sheep. That's my guy. Bring him here. And he anoints David as king because 
God has used the shepherding vocation to train the laborer in, in, in shepherding his people. So, in the ordained ministry, let's just say in the Anglican Church 2,000 years later, our process for ordination, we're looking for a track record of leadership. Does this person know how to lead? Does this person know how to shepherd? Where have they done it before? I was just reading our ordination uh, checklist, our ordination process um, in regards to um, developing leaders in our congregation. Again, this is the Anglican Church here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I'm reading that ordination checklist, you know, all the skills that are there to lead people can be developed in leading sheep. Because the Bible says in Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray. So, each of us have wandered our own way. We're like sheep, and the Bible wants us to know that, and we need a shepherd. And God is our ultimate shepherd. And now, certainly, there are under-shepherds to the shepherd, and this is what we're getting at when we look into the New Testament when Jesus claims that he is the good shepherd. Well, what does that mean? He's actually invoking Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel, where Ezekiel is talking about the bad shepherds of Israel, Ezekiel 34. So, you've got first Jeremiah 23, woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. So, here in Jeremiah's rule and reign, or as a prophet, I should say, he is talking about those shepherds or kings that are ruling over Israel who are leading the sheep astray. They're actually destroying the sheep. They're scattering the sheep. But By the way, scattering the sheep, and this is some of the same imagery that's used by Jesus at the, um, the betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane. You strike the shepherd and the sheep will flee. Well, why will the sheep flee? Because now the perverted or corrupted religious leaders who are coming to kill Jesus, uh, they strike the shepherd and the sheep, the disciples, do scatter. So, this imagery dates all the way back to Jeremiah 23, verse 1, where you've got shepherd imagery and the prophets to speak against corrupt leadership and corrupt kings. We see it again in Ezekiel 34, that there are corrupt shepherds. And, and Ezekiel says, thus saith the Lord God, this is verse 2 of 34, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? Yet you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not brought up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, with force of harshness, and you have ruled them. So they scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over the face of the earth with none 
to search or seek for them. You know, you referenced, I think, John 10 mm-hmm. there, too, where, where Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. And, and there's a very contemporary, very literal demonstration of how this works, because I've seen it in video. Uh, the Bedouins are still sheep herders in Israel and in, in, in Judah today. And, uh, and as was typical in Bible times, there's usually a, a, a head shepherd who was the shepherd, and there may be two or three or four assistants because a flock can get out of hand. You need help. If you're going to go find a lost one, somebody's got to tend the other ones. But the sheep know the difference. And the, the, the head shepherd will, will walk in front of the flock, and they will follow him because they know his voice. If he is absent, the, the other shepherds will drive from the rear, not presume to take the front. But if there's some, if there's a stranger leading them, they'll scatter. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, but sheep, sheep are what? A, what a huge, <laughs> important symbol to us they are. Yeah, if we don't understand sheep and shepherding, we're not going to understand imagery from Genesis to Revelation about God as our good shepherd. I mean, God will shepherd His flock. So Peter, chapter one, verse five says that you are to shepherd the sheep given into your care. It's one of my favorite verses that was read at my ordination, that not under compulsion, but I'm to care for my sheep, not to see what I can get from it, but I'm, I'm supposed to shepherd them. So John 10, he identifies himself as, as the good shepherd, invokes that whole imagery, and we need to take that seriously. Absolutely. So, Jesus, it's one of the I am statements in John's gospel. He says, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. John 10.10 says, but the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. So, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's invoking two things. Number one, he's invoking the I am of Moses. When Moses is shepherding the sheep out in the desert for his father-in-law in Midian, uh, Jethro, I believe it's Jethro, he uh, does this and he sees the burning bush and he approaches it because it's not being consumed. Now, burning bushes are common because of the static electricity and the dried up brambles and bushes in the desert that static electricity can ignite bushes in in the wilderness and they can catch fire. The issue is not that the bush is burning. The issue is that it's not consumed. So when it's not consumed, Moses approaches and finds that uh, God is speaking to him through the bush. Moses says, well, who are you? And God says, I am. So this is the name God gives God's self in the burning bush narrative. So Jesus is invoking this as I am the great I am. And then he is invoking all the shepherding imagery from the Old Testament, specifically David and Psalm 23, but he's also contrasting himself with evil shepherds in Jeremiah 23, and evil shepherds or bad shepherds in Ezekiel. So, in Ezekiel, Jesus says that there, or God says in Ezekiel 34, that there are these 
shepherds that are taking advantage of the sheep for their own gain. So they're not serving the flock, but they're using the flock for their own benefit. And this is all in Ezekiel 34. Thus saith the Lord, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and every hill. My sheep were scattered over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. So this image in Ezekiel 34, 1 through 6, is actually a pretty good job description for a modern-day pastor or preacher or minister of the gospel And instead of getting these things that a good shepherd is supposed to do, this is painted in the negative in Ezekiel 34. And so if you flip that to the opposite of what a shepherd should be doing, this is what Jesus is claiming to be in John 10. You know, what also occurs to me is that that passage speaks to the Jews of the diaspora, the Jewish Mm -hmm. people scattered, lost say more yeah Yeah. oh yeah yeah well Well, the babylonian exile the assyrians and the then the babylonians but then the romans in 70 a.d when they lay siege to jerusalem and tear down the temple again and 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 jews are scattered that's when when the romans propagandized how evil it was to be jewish which stuck with us for centuries and and may well be the roots of 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 anti-semitism today goes back to the roman empire because um, they were afraid the Jews would resurrect and rebel again. So they, they squashed them with propaganda and, and with, with hate talk. Um, this, this, this whole shepherd image reflects certainly Western civilization. I, I, I presume that, that, uh, that in Asia, in, in the East, the, the same truths apply. Yeah, and you, you see this too in uh, Jeremiah this is a pre-exilic prophet here, Jeremiah, where Ezekiel's more exilic, like during the scattering. And Jeremiah warns, he says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for people. He says, You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them. And that's interesting, too, because here you see God taking ownership of this, of driving the sheep out or scattering them as a, as a form of judgment, by the way, because the sheep are most vulnerable when they are isolated and alone, which is why everybody should go to church. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was an aside. Yeah. <laughs> and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, 
and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall anything be missing, declares the Lord. And the fulfillment of that verse 4 of Jeremiah 23 is in Jesus as the good shepherd. Hmm. And, and you make an excellent point, too. Any disciple, any follower of Christ is, is meant to do that in community. You can't be a loner. Oh, you can you can That's study right. your Bible and you can keep it to yourself and not associate with anybody because of whatever reason you just don't have the energy. You don't. You need to be in community, and uh, and the the example is in my head every day when when I when I say the Lord's prayer, it's mm-hmm. a corporate poem for dis, uh, a prayer for for all disciples. That I me don't appear in that prayer anywhere. It's we and it's our, it's community, and it's. It's being with the flock that's important. So go to church. Yeah, I think that's an excellent uh, comparison there. You may have just slipped it in, but it was pivotal, Robbie. <laughs> you you do that to us, you know. As a Seems pastor, like it works. I've, I've got to. <laughs> got to get it in there. We appreciate well, we having did you here. Something today, didn't we? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And uh, we covered a lot of ground. So, Robbie, take care. Have a terrific week, and we'll we'll see you. Okay joy to be with you jim and david a pleasure as always to gather in this little flock of the broken road and pay a visit to preserving bible times preservingbibletimes.org you'll be as they say you'll be glad you did robbie we'll see you see you robbie